Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Bar. My name's Robert Kroger, and I manage the legal recruitment team here at Robert Walters. Um, being joined on this episode by Katrina Harrison, uh, who has extensive transactional experience, having worked as a technology lawyer for the past 20 years or so. Um, she was previously in the role of general counsel for SAP ANZ, and at the start of this year, took on a new role of global legal services lead for SAP supporting the SAP business and global legal team on services related to legal matters. Thanks for joining us, Katrina. Ah, oh, no worries. Nice to catch up with you, Rob. Excellent. Uh, so we've um, obviously sort of spoken over the past uh, and as I sort of had mentioned to you, thought it'd be a good opportunity to catch up on you and, and learn a little bit more about um, your career and, and some of the sort of moves that you've made and, and sort of information that you might be able to um, to share to those who be sort of keen and interested and perhaps find themselves in a, in a similar position um, themselves at the moment. And I suppose a, a good place to start is really what got you interested in, in law in the first place. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, to be honest, it probably wasn't a burning desire to, to practice law in the first instance. I, I um, finished um, the HSC. I, I was interested in arts and psychology and then um you know, uh, I guess that my mark enabled me to to study law as well, and I thought that would probably give me a few more options, uh, career options. You know, because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at that time, so I, I probably fell into it a little bit. I, I mean, I wasn't disinterested, but it was just something that was there, and I thought, oh, yeah, that you know, that that could work well. You know, given I don't know too much about what I want to do in the future. You know, at at that point in my life. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then in terms of, um, so you sort of graduated from Sydney Uni um, with honours, world at your feet uh, on that side. What was sort of the, the next step in, in the process for you? Yeah, so so probably still at that point I wasn't, I, I, I did really enjoy studying law. I, I really enjoyed um, the variety in, in the courses that were offered you know, in, in terms of it, it wasn't sort of, you know, just you had to do all the, the basic, the, the contracts law, the constitutional law. You know, there were a lot of, particularly at Sydney University when I studied, there, there were a lot of other interesting options and particularly being combined with an arts degree, you know, I, I studied sort of some interesting options in, in my arts degree too. So I, I did really enjoy the study of law and, and made some, um, you know, met some some great friends and, you know, um, I guess people I've worked with over the years too but at the point of finishing my law degree I wasn't quite ready to be a lawyer yet at that time um, I was still sort of trying to work out what I wanted to do so I actually joined um, Accenture back then they were known as Anderson Consulting particularly because they had this graduate program and I thought you know that'd be interesting just to broaden my skill set a bit and so I ended up um, being an IT consultant um, for Accenture for for a couple of years so that that was sort of where I um, started and, and it was only after I'd been doing that for a few years that I thought you know what actually I, I am interested in doing law now it, it just took me a little while to get there and that background I had in IT was really helpful because it got me a job in um, one of the, the top law firms 
in their IT practice. And, and, you know, one of the reasons I guess they were interested in employing me was because I had this IT experience, which was something their other lawyers um, typically didn't have because they were grads straight from uni. So I think that is a, a really good example too of how whatever, you know, another skill set you can bring is also really helpful, you know, in pursuing your legal career because, you, you know, you have that business expertise in, in whatever area it might be. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely sort of a, a different way um, of, of going about things. And I suppose to anyone um, who finds themselves in a, in a similar situation where perhaps maybe, you know, studying law was something that they just saw as being a good idea or, um, you know, had a, an interest, but once they're finished, maybe that sort of jumping straight into practice or, you know, putting their hand up to do the graduate things or, you know, potentially working throughout and, you know, therefore doesn't qualify for a lot of the the major law firms in terms of their graduate intakes and and things like that did you find in those early years of of practicing in law that it held you back at all having started um in a sort of slightly different or you know more industry related space before moving into law no i didn't i mean i did i guess i slotted into the graduate program pretty much in in terms of where i started but i was able to progress very quickly to, to doing more, um, I guess, more advanced work because of the, the IT knowledge I had. I mean, obviously still had to, to build, you know, and needed the review and supervision from a legal perspective. But I, I did find that it enabled me to progress at a faster pace because I, I had that, those other skills or, or experience that I, I brought. Yeah, awesome. And in terms of moving from, um, from business or from industry to then, um, you know, the, the wonderful world of, private practice law how did you find that transition just in terms of working styles and and things like that it it was probably easier because I started more at the graduate sort of level you know and and, you know you're surrounded by peers who are in a similar situation and I think that is um you know I, I mean I recommend when, when lawyers come to me and say they're looking at in-house or, the, you know, in terms of people who are, say, studying and, and they're ready to start in-house, I mean, I always recommend that if if possible they work um, for private practice in a law firm first, you know, because of the training and the structure and the supervision that's provided. And I think that is a real benefit of starting as a um as a graduate, that it, it makes it a lot easier because they have programs in place, they have people to support you, you have colleagues who are in the same situation and, and you can work with. I mean, some some in-house practices, of course, um, are large in-house practices and they probably function like a law firm, so they would offer that similar experience. But I think many in-house practices, if there's only a small number of lawyers, that could be a pretty daunting experience to, to start out without that supervision and structure. So for me, actually, even though I had been in, in business for a number of years, I think it was about three years, I, I didn't feel I was so advanced in my career that it was a real step back to, to take the approach that I took. You know, I, it was, a, you know, it's probably a sideways step, if you like, but then enabled me, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have had the career I've had if I hadn't had that prior business experience. So I think it was positive and I, I definitely felt well supported in, in the law firm. And I, I do think the law, the large law firms or probably the medium-sized law firms or, as I said, the large in-house practices do provide a really good um, training and learning environment for, for young lawyers. Yeah. Awesome. So th- then obviously you've got the uh, the training and, and development and, and learning and 
made the uh, the move to in-house. What um, was sort of the, the thought process or, or what was sort of the things going through your mind at that period of, of time and how did it all sort of come about in the first place? So it was probably a little bit accidental in that I was put on secondment um, at SAP. Uh, SAP, I think, uh, the, the law firm I was working for responded to a, a tender and and. I was presented as the proposed secondee and, um, you know, and, and, SAP, and, and that we accepted um, at SAP. And so I ended up being on secondment for about a year, still working, um, you know, closely with the, the law firm. And then I, I got to the end and I actually did go back to the law firm and I um, and, and at that point in time, SAP was then recruiting um, for someone, you know, the in-house lawyer there. And I, I sort of thought long and hard about it and, and I realised that for me, and it probably went back to the initial reason I didn't do law initially because I was interested more in a business sort of a broader role rather than just the, the strictly legal role, the experience that I had um, in private practice. So I, I, you know, I then applied for the, the job at SAP and and um, was successful. So for me, it was a really good mix of not only because I had that IT experience, but because generally my interest was broader than just providing strictly legal advice. You know, I, I did want to um, focus as well on some of the business aspects and really be part of a business. And, yes, and, and I, I've certainly had that experience um, at SAP over the many years that, that I've worked there. And, and obviously the, the longer you work there too, I mean, you get involved in all aspects of the business or, you know, as much as you want to. And it, it, um, for me that's been a really rewarding experience. Yeah, and I, I think sort of to, talking generally, having that interest in the business if you're making the move in-house, is that something that you would see being critical or is it just something that you know happened to work out quite well for you that you had that interest in an area that then sort of enabled you to continue practicing as, as well as, I guess, developing and um, learning and experiencing sort of the business growth in that technology space? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it could go both ways, probably depending on the size of in an, in an in-house role, the, the size of the legal practice, because I'm sure in um, some companies where they've got, you know, a, you know, a sizable um, number of lawyers working for them, it's probably um, quite likely that, that you could just sort of have more of a strictly legal focus or and also depending on the sort of legal work that you do and the sort of organisation that you're working for. Um, Particularly, say if it was litigation or or some sort of you know regulatory, it, it might you might not be doing something that dissimilar to what you'd be um, doing if you were in private practice. I think um, where where I've been because they it, it's very much a commercial slash legal role in terms of the the work that we do. So I think it would be harder at SAP to focus, say, you know, focus solely on legal work because the commercial aspects are sort of intertwined with, with what you do. So you naturally do get in, involved in those. But but definitely there's an interest factor. I mean, you, you it, and how far you want to take it. I mean, I've certainly seen um, lawyers at SAP and then who've actually gone on to business roles, you know, and because they've obviously loved the, the commercial side of it so much that they've decided to make that their focus and some very um, senior people at SAP started as lawyers too, so, you know, that's the path they've taken. The majority, I think, have stayed um, in the, the legal team and I think there's enough diversity of work that even if they do have that business interest, they can still um, 
satisfy themselves, you know, in a legal role with the additional business. You know, there's lots of projects or, or other things that they get involved in. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I, in terms of practicing in-house and having had the, the business experience prior to even sort of commencing in, in law altogether, have there been things that have surprised you about the, the move um, and, and building your career in an in-house space or has it been largely what you were expecting it to be? Yeah, it's a good question. I I probably, it, well, one, it's a long time ago and, um, and two, I, I it wasn't really a conscious decision, if you like, that I, I went in. The, the initial, certainly going on the secondment, that kind of just came my way and, you know, it was an opportunity. And, and then obviously it was a conscious decision when I applied for the role. Um, but at the point that I applied for the role, I, I had done the secondment for, you know, that year. So I, I certainly knew what I was getting myself in for. I mean, I it's fair to say that my in-house role has changed significantly over the years, you know, one, because the business has, there's been so many changes to the business, you know, the um, in terms of sort of the, you know, the solution, the, the software, the clouds, have moved, the sort of changing business direction, I guess, and focus and um, just the increase in size of the organisation and, and all sorts of things. So, so it, it's always changing, that's for sure. Um, so it's hard to, to know what you're expecting because, you know, next year, I mean, that you know, the, there's always sort of new challenges and, um, and and new opportunities coming up. So I, I, that is very much one of the things I, I do enjoy as well, that the, the work certainly for me has always been changing. I mean, there are some constants, but, but I think there's probably more change than constants. So that, that um, has certainly kept it interesting. And do you think that that is, uh, in terms of sort of working in-house, something that throws up unique challenges uh, compared to, say, maybe remaining in private practices, uh, particularly in the technology space, the, the rapid growth or, or kind of the ever-changing approach that throws up different challenges that kind of mean you've just got to roll with, um, with the business and the business direction? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think if, if you worked um, in private practice as well, obviously because you're supporting your clients, you also need to sort of um, keep up to date and, and be up to speed with, with changes depending on the, the sort of legal advice that you're providing. But I, I think or my expectation is that they would, would be quite reliant on whether it's the in-house lawyers or, or their, their um, in-house client in any event to, to really explain to them, you know, the, the business model, particularly in a technology space, which is, you know, changing very um, rapidly, you know, to, to keep them up, up to date with that. So I guess, the, you know, if, if you didn't have in-house legal and, and you were advising a customer in the technology space, you'd certainly need um, your client to be, you know, advising you in a whole lot of aspects, I think, because, you know, I don't think you can expect that um, a a private practice legal advisor, they're not going to know all the nuances of the business and, um, you know, depending on the particular products or, or services that the, the client is selling or buying. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I guess sort of bringing that together then, if um, you know, the reliance on, I suppose, getting clear and concise uh, instructions within private practice um, to be able to sort of give the right legal advice compared to, say, perhaps being in-house where you're constantly up to date with what the business is looking to do or at least hopefully constantly up to date with what the business is looking to do what sort of advice would you give to any lawyer who is looking to make that move um, for the first time from private practice to in-house 
I think um, it's important to, to yeah, understand your reasons for moving in-house because one of the um, things probably from moving in-house is that you're not you're probably not getting the same training or developing that same sort of perhaps expertise that you might develop in, in private practice where, you know, you really are you're surrounded by lawyer and other lawyers in private practice, you know, the the learning, the, the specificity of what you know, I, I would say is a lot greater. Even in an in-house role, I think you, you end up becoming a lot more of a generalist, even if you do have more of a focused area. But, you know, so I, I guess that needs to be something that aligns with your career goals, um, that that you're happy to have more of a business focus, you know, rather than really sort of fine-tuning your legal skills and, you know, taking a different path. So I, I think that is something you want to keep in mind if you, you're going to be going in-house. Um, and and I one of the challenges, I would say, of going in-house too is just that, not as much supervision. I mean, of course, you you cannot. You uh, most probably companies would still engage with external law firms on particular points, but they may, depending on the relationship, they may not have um, an external law firm on tap that that they can ask questions of. So th- there is a lot of trial and error learning, I think, and um, perhaps um, it's not always best practice, you know, as an in-house lawyer because you know, because you don't have access to those same resources and and, and experts um, in the private practice environment. So so I think it, if that sits with where you see your career heading, I think that's great, but, but that's probably something to consider um, for people in moving in-house, that, that you are a bit more on your own and, and working out or, you know, within the scope, I guess, of your in-house practice, um, you know, working things out a, a little bit more yourself. Okay, awesome. And in terms of as being able to work things out yourself and, and all of that that comes along with it, I don't know you mentioned earlier that private practice is a great training ground before moving in-house. Are there things or improvements that you could see um, being made in the in-house space to make that more of a, uh, I guess, a training ground for lawyers coming out of university or, or those that may not necessarily have gone through private practice? Yeah, I mean, it, I would say it depends, um, like I mentioned earlier, on the size of the in-house practice because I'm, I'm sure there would be many in-house practices that that are really like a, a law firm and they've got a sort of a tiered structure and and supervision for, for junior lawyers and, and training. So I'm sure that would apply for, for many in-house scenarios. It, it didn't apply to, to my situation. Um, although, as I mentioned, in that, that period I was on secondment, I still had the, the benefit of the, the, the private practice and, and the training and the, the learning. And, and certainly within the in-house, you know, there are other, in our case, being a global company, you know, there, there certainly were many experts um, and people, you know, around the globe. But, but it just wasn't that same sort of supervision of every document that you sent out or, you know, that, that, that really formal environment. So, um, so that that could be variable for sure, depending on on the size of the in-house practice that that you're going to. And and I think for some people, I mean, that's a real attraction, right? To be even if, if it's a smaller in-house practice because they love the autonomy, um, you know, of what they're doing, and and that's a great reason too. I, I guess you just want to make sure that you before you have that autonomy that you have got. You know, you don't just want to have had your legal studies. I think you, you want to make sure that you have enough base knowledge to know what you don't know at least so that you can ask the questions and seek help when you need it because I think that's always a risk that you think you know everything 
and um, you know, and, and you make make mistakes. So, so I, I think the it's probably not as clear cut as in house or private practice because definitely some in house environments would you know would have a small law firm within within the in house environment. I imagine. Awesome, um, and then sort of I suppose other things that are more general to the profession itself. Um, which impact both in-house and private practice and, and probably been highlighted um, over the last 12 months or so in particular around things like health and, and well-being for lawyers. Um, you know, quite often we get approached for people wanting to make the move in-house for you know, better work-life balance or you know, not working until those all hours of the evening, um, which I know can be variable in in-house if you're with a multinational and, and things like that. There are international hours that come with it. Um, are there any things that you can sort of think of or improvements you'd like to see in terms of um, improving that uh, maintenance when it comes to health and well-being for lawyers? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably only so much that um, that the profession can do to, to, I mean, of course, they cannot, you know, there, there can be, you know, as if you're a member of the law study, you know, there are certain um, services that are available to you and, and you know, information and resources and the like. But I do think a lot of that comes down to who your employer is and and the standards. And, and I mean, I think you're correct that a lot of lawyers do make the change to in-house because of a work-life balance. And, and for many, I'm sure they do find a better work-life balance um, in-house because you not being dictated to as much, I would suggest perhaps by your client, you know, because you, your client in the, in the private practice being a external and, and paying you for the services, whereas I think in-house generally, you know, you are part of the client. So it's probably a little easier to sort of push back and, you know, set the expectations of what's reasonable. So so I, I think that is a bit better, but I, it's certainly in some in-house environments too, I think. Um, and even, I, I know, you know, from speaking to other lawyers who work in-house, you know, work-life balance is always a challenge. And I think because lawyers are often at the, the pointy end, you know, whether it's a transaction or a dispute or, you know, it, it always seems to be urgent, I think, when the lawyers get involved or often seems to be urgent. So I, I think that is a bit of a struggle in both, but... Um, but perhaps easier to manage sometimes in-house because, you know, you are the client as well, um, you know, depending on the role that, that you perform there, you know, also. Also, no, I really appreciate sort of your insight in terms of, um, in terms of that and, and what it's like at the, uh, at the coalface um, on that side. And you know, certainly there's obviously a lot of things that, can continue to be done, not just in, not just for lawyers, but um, for everyone when it comes to to health and well being and setting reasonable expectations on um, on work volume and, and things like that. Uh, I guess finally, and, and thanks very much for your time. Um, the, the sort of question that I'd be really keen to find out from you is: um, Was there any sort of career advice that you got? early on in your career that's really stuck with you that you would pass on or um, that you think would be useful to those out there that might find themselves in a similar position um, where they're weighing up, you know, finishing university and do I go straight into law or do I go down another avenue or equally um, in private practice and thinking about, you know, do I continue on and, and look down the partnership path or do I look to move into an in-house role? Um, was there any advice that you received along the way that you found particularly pertinent and useful? Yeah, I mean, 
And I've had this advice repeated to me over the years and sometimes I've probably forgotten a little bit and then I get back on track. It's really to to make a plan, to sit back and set goals. And, you know, you have your, your short-term goals and your, your long-term goals. The long-term goals are really, I, I think we probably all focus um, a bit on our short, short-term goals on, you know, what we want to do in the period we can see ahead. But I think sitting back and really thinking about your long-term goals can help um, guide some of the short-term decisions that you make and, and you know, you really need to sit back and document that and make yourself accountable to, you know, how am I tracking with that? Um, something that is really aligned to that is, is finding a mentor if, you know, and they don't need to be in your business, but finding someone who, who can guide you because then they will also help um, make you accountable, you know, if, if you've sort of communicated to them that that these are my goals, this is where I'd like to be, and you know, checking in on you. That I think I think that accountability for yourself is really important, and you know, you can change your goals too. I mean, they're not fixed, but I think just having goals in the first place and and revisiting them and seeing is that still my goal, you know, do I want to go somewhere else? But but always having those out there, I think, and and, and aligning those with personal goals because you. Your professional goals may change depending on your personal situation as well. So just always sort of keeping them in check, adjusting them, and I, I think that that helps you not get sort of lost and, and just sort of, you know, um, fumbling your way along and thinking, how, how, why am I still here, you know, all, this, um, all these years on. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, really appreciate your, your time and all of your insight um, on that and, and sharing a little bit of your career journey um, with us on the on the podcast. Oh, no worries. Lovely, lovely chatting to you, Rob. And um, yeah, hopefully that can be of some assistance.